Thank you, Dr. Getch. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. God bless you. You may be seated. I'm honored to be here today at West Coast Baptist College. What a great place. Uh, I'm honored to get to come. Now, I love being with you. I love getting to be around Brother Getch and Dr. Rasmussen. Of course, uh, Brother Chapel has been such a good friend to me and my family over the years and all of the, the, the staff and the faculty here. Uh, you are so, so blessed uh, to be in a place like this. I know you're in a hurry to go, but it'd be a good thing before you leave today to say thank you uh, to your teachers, to say thank you to those folks who make it possible uh, for you to be in a place like this. And I'm, I'm thrilled uh, to be here to be with you. I'm also thrilled to get to be here with my family, my sister Jill and her husband Don. Uh, they are faithful members here at Lancaster Baptist Church. My sister Jill taught in the college for several years here. And uh, I'm so thankful to be here with them. Uh, their daughter Mia is in school. Molly is here this morning in chapel. And uh, I love them. They're such a, a blessing to me. And uh, I hope you'll be thankful for your teachers. Be thankful for the staff. Uh, I even think you ought to be thankful for the dorm supervisors. I know that's saying a lot right there. Uh, but uh, they've got to put up with you. You know, you think you've got a lot putting up with them. But I hope you be thankful for the folks that, that serve the meals. I hope you be thankful to the security. I hope you be thankful uh, to your parents. How many of you are going home uh, for Thanksgiving? Let me see your hands. All right. Now, I don't know what kind. You put your hands down. I don't know what kind of assignments your, your teachers have given you over break. I personally feel like it's cruel and unusual punishment to give an assignment that's due after break. But that's just me. That's, that's just my opinion. It doesn't count for anything, but that's just my opinion. But I'm going to give you an assignment. Changed your tune pretty quick there, didn't you? But here's the assignment. If you're going home, when you see your parents, your mom, your dad, uh, whoever you're Grandma, grandpa, whoever you're going to stay with, whoever has, has provided a place for you, I hope you'll look them in the eye and say thank you. Uh, thank you for all that you've invested in my life. Uh, my sister Jill and I, we uh, will have the privilege over Thanksgiving to call and to talk to our mom who lives in Connecticut. Uh, but our dad uh, is no longer here. He's with the Lord. And uh, don't ever miss an opportunity to say thank you to your parents. I hope Sunday when you go to your church, I hope you go to your pastor. Now, you will go to church Sunday when you're home for Thanksgiving break, right? Just, I was just checking. Uh, if you're prepared for ministry, I think it's a good idea to go to church on Sunday when you're home. Don't oversleep. Although some of you, you're gonna have to set a couple of alarms because you are right now, you're in zombie mode. You haven't slept in a long time. Uh, you have forgotten what sleep is like. But set a few alarms, go to church. And when you get to church, thank your pastor. Uh, thank your youth pastor. Thank your pastor's wife. Thank them for their investment in you. And uh, I'm, it's a good thing to be thankful. And God has been so good to us. And it is my privilege to be with you this morning. If you take your Bibles, please, we are in the book of Numbers. And I want you to look with me at Numbers 13, please. Numbers 13. We were, I was, we were talking on the way over to chapel today and I, I was telling my, my brother-in-law, uh, Brother Don, I was telling him a story and uh, I think I'll share it with you. Uh, if, if you have a weak stomach, you may need to plug your ears and it's okay to plug your ears, just don't plug them for the whole chapel. You can plug them for the beginning. But when I was in high school, 
Uh, I loved playing basketball. Do we have any basketball folks in here? You like basketball? All right. Uh, where's the basketball team? Where are, where are the basketball players there? All right. Okay, good. Got the, got the basketball team. Um, I love playing basketball. And uh, we, I was in my junior year. And I grew up in the state of Illinois. And uh, we were playing basketball. And we were practicing for our state tournament. Well, in that practice, we had some men that came over from the church to help get us ready. I grew up in Rockford, Illinois at the Brian Baptist Church, and uh, we had a good sized school, but we were not nearly as big as those schools from Chicago and some of those other places. And so we had some men in the church come to help us get ready. And uh, we were practicing. And how many of you know that when you're young, you have an advantage over the old guys, right? You know that you're a lot faster. Uh, now, I can still see it in my mind, but I can't do it as fast. You know, it just doesn't work that way. But I was young then. I was, we were practicing. We are playing against the old men. I think they were really old. Like, I think they were like 40 or something like that, you know, uh, which I'm old now. But we were playing against them, and there were, they were coming down the court. They made a pass, and I, you know, I was quick. I was young, and I jumped in the passing lane, got the ball, and I was already envisioning what I was going to do at the other end. Now, keep in mind, this was just practice, but in my mind, it's sports center. It's the highlight reel. You know, this is going to be really good because after all, you know, I'm playing on my Christian school team and uh, I was better than most of the players. I was even better than some of the girls on the team. You know, I was good. And you ought to have seen me passing water bottles down the, si down the uh, sideline at, at timeouts. I was the best water boy on the team. And so I was ready for that. And I got my hand out there and I got the basketballs ready to go to the other end for a layup. Slam dunk, 360, you know, whatever. Just use your imagination. And as I was getting my hand on the ball, one of the men from our church who the pass was intended for, he reached out for the ball. The problem is he missed the ball and he got my head. More specifically, he got my eyeball. And he, and by the way, this isn't even the gross part. So if you're already having trouble, then you may want to tune out for just a second. He put his finger in his, in my eye socket with my eyeball and let me tell you, don't try that at home. That's not good. It's terrible. It's the worst headache I've ever had in my life. Well, I lost my contact lens and I had to dig that out from the backside of my eye. It was just awful. It was a mess. And then I went to the bathroom and I saw that everywhere in my eye that was supposed to be white, it was not white. It was dark red. It was awful. And so I went to the eye doctor and they checked it out and they said, they said, we're not qualified to, to treat this, but it looks like you've got a tear behind your retina. Now, that didn't mean anything to me. All that I cared about was state tournament. You know, that was coming up in a few days. So like, hey, let's get it done. And uh, I went to the retina specialist and they, they came back and they said, uh, son, you're going to have to have surgery on this eye. And they said, we've got good news and we've got bad news. And I'm thinking, I think it's all bad news at this point, you know. My eye hurts and I can't see and I need some help. They said, the bad news is we can't get in with the laser and we can't perform the surgery with the laser. I said, okay, what's the good news? They said, the good news is we've got something that will work. And they came out, I kid you not, they came out with a needle that was this long. And I'm thinking, what in the world are you going to do with a needle that is this long with my eye? And they proceeded to show me what they were going to do. 
and they left me awake. Now, is everybody doing okay? Let's do a buddy check. Make sure everybody's all right. Nobody's getting queasy. Nobody's getting ready to faint. All right. I hate needles. And by the way, because of this, I really hate needles. And so they said, we've got a, a freezing substance that we're going to inject into your eye and that's going to seal up the, 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 the tear and it's going to form scar tissue so that you don't go blind. Now, I hate needles. Did I mention I hate needles? Can I get a witness? Does anybody else in the building hate needles? I hate needles. I don't like them. I don't even like being around needles. I don't like them being in the same room with me. But that needle had to go into my eyeball and I thought it'd be once. Well, it wasn't once. It was many times. And I was awake and I could feel that, that freezing sensation. You know when you eat ice cream way too fast? It was that times 100. And you say, well, 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 Jeremy, why did you do that? Why would you allow somebody to do that to your eye? Here's why. Because as much as I hated that, my vision was so important. I would do it again if I had to, to keep the vision in my eye. And I want to tell you this Thanksgiving break, there's a devil out there. He's trying to take away your vision. He's trying to get your focus off of why you're here and what God's done in your life and, and the, the youth group that you grew up in and the church you grew up in, the Christian school and the decisions you've made for God. And Satan's going to do everything he can this Thanksgiving break, everything he can the Christmas break, everything he can next semester. He's going to do everything he can for the rest of your life to try to get your focus off of serving God. But I want to tell you this. You're going to have to keep your eyes on Jesus. That's why Paul said in Hebrews chapter 12, we are forgetting those things. Oh, and in Philippians, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. He said, I press toward the mark. Hebrews 12, he said, we're running the race by looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I want to encourage you to keep your focus and keep it on the Lord. Don't let the devil distract you this break. Have a wonderful time. Have, a, have an enjoyable time. I hope you do sleep in. I hope you eat so much turkey. I hope you eat so much pumpkin pie. If you're from North Carolina, I hope you get some sweet potato pie. That's good stuff right there. I hope you enjoy it. But don't lose your focus. And come back a week from Monday. Come back fired up, charged up, ready to see what God's going to do. Numbers 13 in your Bibles, we find the account of Moses sending out 12 spies to spy out the land of Canaan, the promised land. It's interesting to me that there were 12 spies. These were leaders in Israel, but we don't remember the names of the 10. Now, and if you have those 10 names memorized, if you'll see me after chapel, I do have some money. I heard there's been money get, been given out in, in chapel. Don't memorize it during chapel, but if you already had them memorized, I got some money for you. But you know what I find? Most people don't even know one name of those 10 spies. But we all know the names of the two, Joshua and Caleb. You know why? Because while 10 came back with a negative report, 10 came back uh, with a, a critical spirit. And they said, God can't do it. And the giants are too big and the walls are too high. Joshua and Caleb said, hey, we can do this. And God can do it. And God can give us the victory. Moses sends out these 12 spies. We see in Numbers 13 and verse number 17, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan. And he said unto them, get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land what it is. 
and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds. Verse 20, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, and there be wood therein uh, or not, and be ye of good courage and bring the fruit of the land. The Bible says now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. The Bible says in verse 25, they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel under the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh, uh, the wilderness of, of Paran to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. Verse 28, Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and are very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites, they dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses. You know what that means? The word stilled, it means he hushed them. He said, guys, knock it off. Stop talking like that. Be quiet. Now, I don't think you ought to be rude to your roommate, but there may be times when you need to say to your roommate or to a classmate, you need to say, hey, let's not be negative. Let's not be talking about all the, the negative and all the bad things. Let's talk about how good God is. Hey, let's count our blessings. Let's talk about the faithfulness of God, not about the greatness of the enemy. But he stilled the people and he said, let us go up at once and possess it. Notice verse 30. For we are well able to overcome it. I want to preach for a few minutes this morning on this subject. We are well able to overcome it. You know, that's the attitude I want. That that's the spirit that I want. And by the way, that's the spirit that God's looking for. God commented over and over and over again about Caleb and how that he was a man that had courage and he was a man that had a right spirit. He was a man that believed God. And I want to challenge you here this morning. And I want to say, based on the authority of God's word, that you are well able to overcome whatever it is that's in your life. It may be finances. It may be your health. It may be your family back home. It may be a class. It may be a job. It may be a relationship. It may be a spiritual battle that you're facing. I want to tell you, whatever it is, with God's help and through God's power, you and I are well able to overcome it. Father, speak to our hearts. I need your help. I pray that you give me your power and help me to be a help and a blessing to these dear students. Thank you for them. Thank you for them coming to this place and answering your call upon their lives. I thank you for the administration. I thank you for the staff and the faculty. I thank you for this church that has given to make possible this college, this institution to train young people for the ministry. I pray your richest and greatest blessings upon these students in the days ahead. Please use them for your honor and glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Quickly, I want you to see in this passage the favor of God. God sent those spies. It was Moses that sent them, but it was God's idea to send the spies. And they went at the time of the first ripe grapes. You say, well, that's a coincidence. That was just a lucky break. Oh, no, no. Friend, that's called the goodness of God. That's called the favor of God. God sent them at the time where those grapes were so big, the Bible says it took two men to carry a cluster. 
The Bible says they went by eskel. That word eskel, it means cluster or bunches of grapes. I want to tell you, God's timing is always perfect. I think in my life, I think about when uh, my dad, our dad, my sister Jill's here, my, our dad took a church in Geneseo, Illinois. And I want to tell you, it was God's timing. It was God's plan. And we look back now and say, wow, look at what God did. I think about when I was in Bible college and I was a senior in Bible college. Now, fellas, there's hope for you. God gave me a wife and God can give you a wife. It was my senior year. And I went on a first date, November 11th of 2000. How many of you know that was a long time ago? I went on a first date. And guess what? That first date went well. There was a second date. And that second date went well. And uh, my wife and I now, God's blessed us uh, with uh, 21 years we've been married. And God's blessed us with five children. And God's been so good. There were times when I doubted God's timing. There were times where I wanted to get ahead and I wanted to do it my way and, and I wanted to work things out. But friend, I want to tell you, you can trust the timing of God. Almost 10 years ago, I got a phone call from Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, the Victory Baptist Church. The man that was there on the pulpit committee, he said, we'd like for you to pray about coming. I want to tell you, I, I never in a million years thought that God would send me to a small town in North Carolina. But can I tell you, it's been almost 10 years and God's been better to me than I deserve. And God's used me. And I want to tell you, it's not because of me. It's because of him. And God can use you. And God's got a mission field for you. God's got a church for you. God's got a youth group for you. God's got a Christian school for you. God's got a ministry for you. And you can trust the timing of God. It's the favor of God that he blessed his people. And he brought them to that land for such a time as this. I see not only the favor of God, but secondly, I see the faith required. The Bible says that Moses admonished those spies. He said, when you go to see the land, he said, be of good courage. I want to tell you, we need some courage today. Don't be the Bible college student that is always down in the dumps. Don't be the Bible college student that is always depressed. Now, there will be depressing days and there will be bad news and there will be difficulties but you gotta take your eyes off the difficulties and you gotta get your eyes back on Jesus. We walk by faith and not by sight. It is faith that gives us the victory. It is the faith that overcomes the world. It is faith in Jesus that you and I need to face the giants, to face the enemies ahead. We see the admonition, the faith, be of good courage. But thirdly, I see there were fears. And friend, don't be surprised. There will be fears in your life. But when those fears come, remember, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Remember, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The Bible tells us that their fears were enemies. The Bible lists that the land of Canaan, there would be enemies like the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And, and they had names. Your enemies have names too. Your, your, your enemies are different from my enemies and mine are different from yours, but we've all got enemies. We all have the world, the flesh and the devil that we face every day. But there were enemies. The Bible says in verse 28 that the people be strong. It says in verse 28, the cities are walled and very great. 
The Bible says all the people uh, in the land of Canaan, the spies said they're all of great stature. They're all big. They're all strong. They are all difficult to face. We all have fears. We all have troubles. We all have situations in life that cause us to worry and distress. We all have problems uh, that, that hinder us from doing what needs to be done. The children of Israel made the mistake of listening to those 10 spies with the evil report rather than trusting God and following the advice of Joshua and Caleb. You say, why did that happen? I believe number four, because of their focus. It's interesting to me that in verse 31, those 10 spies, they said, we be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. It's almost like these 10 spies, it's almost like they left God out of the equation. It's almost like they forgot that they were not going in their own power anyway. They were going in the power of God. And friend, I want to tell you this morning, that can happen to you and that can happen to me. Sometimes we think that we've got to figure it out. Sometimes we think we've got to be the ones to fight through and it's going to be our uh, determination and our willpower. Friend, it never was about us. It's always been about his power that gives us the victory. But their focus was not on God. Their focus was on the enemy. I want you to notice with me in verse number 28. It says, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land and the cities are walled and very great. Now, if we fast forward 40 years ahead from this story in Numbers 13, we find that Joshua is leading the people over the Jordan River and into the promised land. And the first stop was Jericho, right? Now, it's interesting to me that they had to wander for 40 years in the wilderness because these spies did not believe that God could do it. They thought the walls were too big. They thought the giants were too big. They thought the enemies were too great. That They didn't think that they could go in and have victory. So 40 years later, they go in to Jericho. Before they went to Jericho, Joshua sent two spies into Jericho. And those two spies went into Jericho. And would you like to know where those two spies hid? They hid in a house. You know where that house was? It was on the wall. Interesting. It must have been a pretty thick wall if they had houses built in the wall. And then in order to escape from Rahab's house, the Bible says she had to let down a rope so that they could get down the wall. So I don't know how tall it was, but I know it was tall enough you needed a rope to get down. I know it was wide enough that you could build a house in the wall. And then when those spies come back, Joshua says, all right, Let's march. We're going to Jericho. And when they got to Jericho, God said, I want you to march around the walls one time every day for six days, right? And then on the seventh day, they marched around seven times. That means they marched around those walls 13 times. Now, now here's what I'm saying. The spies said those walls, they're big. Those walls are great. And 40 years later, the children, they're marching around the walls at the command of God, right? God's the one that told them to do that. They're marching around the walls of Jericho and they're saying, whew, you're not a kidding. 
Those are big walls. Whoa. These are huge. These are massive. And God is, is giving them a front row seat to see how big those walls were. So the spies were right. The walls were big. But friend, I got news for you. Those walls were not as big as the God that they served. And the walls that you and I will face and the burdens that you will carry, they may be big and they may be hard to overcome and they may seem impossible. But hang on, if it's impossible with you, it is possible with God. God specializes in the impossible. So they march around those walls 13 times in total. And they see how big and how solid those walls are. And why do you think God had to march around the walls? He could have knocked the walls down before they got there. God could have sent fire and brimstone like he did with Sodom and Gomorrah. God could have sent an earthquake and could have knocked the walls down before they ever showed up, but he didn't do it. He wanted them to see how big the walls were so that they could see how big he was. And friend, I want to tell you, we could be here all day. We could go around the room and we could talk about all the walls that God has knocked down. We could talk about all the miracles God has done. By the way, you ought to make a list in your Bible of the miracles that God has done and the answers to prayer that God has done. And when Satan comes to try to tempt you and Satan comes to discourage you, take out that list and say, hey, look at what God has done before. And if he could do it before, he can do it again. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he can still knock down the walls no matter how great they are. Hebrews 11, the Hall of Faith chapter. You know, it's amazing to me in that chapter who was listed. It's also amazing to me who was not listed. But in Hebrews 11, right in the middle of that chapter of faith, the Bible says in verse 30, by faith, the walls of Jericho came down. Can I tell you how you get the victory? You get it by faith. We get it by faith. We get it by believing God. Number one, we see the favor of God. Number two, uh, we see uh, the, the faith required. Number three, the fears. Number four, the focus. But lastly, I want you to see the fact. And the fact is that we are well able to overcome. Ephesians 3.20, the Bible says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly. Above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. I have in my Bible here, I have a, a recent picture of my wife and our five children. My wife and I have twin girls that are 12 years old. We have an eight-year-old girl. We have a six-year-old girl. And we have a little boy that's almost four. You may look at this picture and that may not mean a lot to you, but my wife and I had been married for nine years. The doctor said we wouldn't have children. We had five miscarriages in that time. And we claimed Ephesians 3.20. That, that was the verse that we claimed. That was the verse that we prayed. That was the verse that we believed that God could. And can I tell you something? After those nine years, I remember going into that doctor's appointment. And the doctor said, not only are you expecting to my wife, but he said, there are two little heartbeats in there. Can I tell you, that's above and beyond. That is more than I could ever ask or think. And I don't know what it is for you, but I want to tell you, you don't have to wait till you get out of college to experience miracles. You can experience God doing a miracle right now with your school bill. You can experience God doing a miracle right now in that class. You can experience a miracle in that relationship because God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think.
The fact is that God is able. The fact is that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. The fact is that for those children of Israel, they were right. Those spies were right. The walls were big. As a matter of fact, the giants were big too. But you know how big those giants were? They were big enough that when Caleb was 85 years old and he was going into the promised land as an 85-year-old man, he said, I'll take that mountain. I'll take those giants. Let me at them. Now, again, I don't know what Caleb had. And if, if, if you know somebody that's 85, I'm not saying that they're old and feeble. But Caleb, he might have, he might not have had any teeth left. He might have had a walker. He might have been in a wheelchair. But Caleb said, let me have those giants. Let me have those guys. And you know what? God used him to win a victory. Amen. And if God can use an 85-year-old man, he can use a Bible college student at West Coast Baptist College. Amen. And the biggest giant recorded in Scripture is found in 1 Samuel 17. And David, who in Psalm 18 said, through my God, I have gone through a troop and by my God, I have leaped over a wall. David said, I'm not worried about the walls. I'm not worried about the giants. But in 1 Samuel 17, the greatest, tallest, mightiest giant ever recorded in scripture was taken down by a little boy with a stone and a sling and faith in God. And I wanna tell you, we are well able to overcome. It's not through us. It's not through me. It's not through you. But we are well able to overcome, to get the victory through him. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ.